This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel today from the 21st chapter of Matthew gives us one of Jesus' really great parables, a parable that is rooted in a much earlier image from the prophet Isaiah, and that's the passage that's our first reading, Isaiah's sort of version of this story. It has to do with a vineyard planted by a landowner. Now, we're dealing here with kind of a straightforward allegory, you know, where every uh, character and element in the story is meant to correspond pretty directly to something in the um, spiritual order. So we have to just unpack the meaning of this um, allegory, and then we can unpack the spiritual power of this thing. So Jesus says to the chief priests and elders of the people, so the audience matters first, doesn't it? He's addressing the kind of leadership, the religious establishment. He says, hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. Well, hearkening back to Isaiah, we know that this has to do with God, who plants the vineyard of Israel. And there's so much going on here, isn't there? That's the whole purpose of Israel in God's economy of salvation. He forms a people after his own heart, after his own mind, a people that would think like him and act like him and love like him. And they, in turn, by the very attractiveness of their life, would draw the nations of the world. It's a vineyard because it's meant to be fruitful. And, you know, of course, the image, too, of vine, grapes, grapes leading to wine. There's something intoxicating about Israel. It's meant to liven the spirits of the world. That's the idea. So landover, landowner planted a vineyard. He put a hedge around it. He's protecting it, you know, so from wild animals. This is God the Father protecting Israel with all of its laws, the stipulations of its covenants, etc. Think even of the walls of Jerusalem keeping out those powers that would threaten it. And now we see it dug a wine press in it. So the purpose of this vineyard is to produce grapes and in turn produce wine, this intoxicating substance. Well, that's Israelite life. You know, I think here of, of the Psalms and uh, the great writings of Israel, the songs of the temple, the worship of the temple. I mean, all of that is a kind of uh, fine, heady wine meant to intoxicate Israel, and through Israel, the whole world. We hear, too, that he built a tower in it. Again, it's a a place of protection, of oversight. It's God watching over the vineyard of Israel. Then, now listen as the allegory goes on. Then he leased it to tenants 
and went on a journey. This is so important, isn't it? And we have to look at it from two sides. One is that God gives Israel this tremendous privilege of presiding over the vineyard. You know, God could treat us as puppets. He's utterly in command. We're simply his, his puppets. He manipulates us. But no, no, in the Bible, God gives us the enormous privilege of participating in his own governance of the world. He gives Israel over to its own counsel. That's the privilege we have. But mind you, we are not owners, we are tenants. And we can do a whole spirituality based on that distinction, but it's so important, isn't it? We don't own the world. We don't own Israel. We don't own the church. Rather, these things are leased out to us. We are there to watch them, tend them, keep guard, but we don't own them. See, friends, think about this for a second. You don't own anything that's yours. Your being right now is coming to you as a gift from God. Your mind, that's a gift from God. Every breath you draw, that's a gift from God. Your capacity for creativity, for action, those are gifts from God. Nature, the world around us, we don't own it. How could you even speak that way? It's been given to us so that we might be good stewards. The universe that surrounds us, what crazy pretense, hubris to say that we can own it. No, no, we're not owners of this world. We are tenants of it. Can you see the danger of secularism is exactly here. That it gives rise precisely to this illusion that we are the owners and controllers of the universe, of nature, of our own bodies, of our own lives. I've often used that little line, your life is not about you, to sum up the spiritual thing. And so it goes, so it's true. Your life is not owned by you, it's owned by God. You've been given it to serve God's purposes. This world is not owned by you or by me. It's owned by God. We are the tenants of it. Israel, the church, aren't owned by us. They're owned by God. Spend some time today, friends, you who are listening to me, spend some time just thinking about that little distinction. You're a tenant, not an owner, of everything around you, including your own life and your own body. See, what if you went through your day thinking, knowing, knowing in your heart, all these things are owned by God, including your own body, your own life? Okay, let's go back to the parable. When vintage time drew near, he, the owner, sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. So now it's vintage time. The um, vineyard has uh, produced grapes. They've been pressed in the wine press, and now we're hoping to uh, get some wine for the owner. So he sends his servants to obtain his produce. 
See, Israel is meant to be productive. It's meant to give rise to right praise and right action. It's meant to produce the heady wine of a good life. So Yahweh sends his servants. Who are they? The prophets and the patriarchs, his great representatives. Their job now is to obtain this produce, not because God's greedy, but they're, they're meant to, um, to take in what Israel is supposed to produce. But what happens? Listen. But the tenants seize the servants. One they beat, another they killed, a third they stoned. There's the history, the sad history of Israel in relation to its prophets. The very people God sent to gather in the harvest of Israel are stoned and beaten and killed. Look at now up and down the Bible, how often Israel rejects the ones whom Yahweh sent. So it goes for us too, doesn't it? Yahweh sends to us all the time representatives, spokespersons. How do we treat them? We savor them, listen to their words, abide by them, produce what we're meant to produce as a people of God, or do we send them away, mock them, belittle them, Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first, but they treated them in the same way. The story of Israel goes on here. More prophets, more teachers, more spokespersons. But Israel rejects them as well. And then the story now comes to its climax. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son, now, here comes someone who does not just represent the landowner's interests, not just a spokesperson for him, but now comes the one who represents his very being. He sent his son. It's Christ, of course. Jesus referring in this parable now to himself. He is, in some ways, the inheritor of the great tradition of Hosea and Amos and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He is, in one sense, a prophet, but he's more than a prophet because he's the son of the living God. Surely they'll respect him, the landowner thinks. Listen, though. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. This thinking wasn't altogether irrational at the time. If they killed the heir, that means they might be in a position to inherit the land. What they're hoping is that the landowner will just get so disgusted by all this, he'll just, he'll just cut his losses, he'll just write it off, and give these wicked servants the vineyard. And then this devastating detail. They seized him threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. I say it's very poignant or touching because when Jesus was killed, he was 
dragged out of the vineyard. Think of Jerusalem built on the hill. The tower, the temple, the vineyard, that was it. It summed up the meaning and purpose of Israel. Jesus was dragged out of that vineyard. And they nailed him to a cross and they killed him. It's all the drama of sin, friends, is right there. The Son of God comes and our instinct is not to embrace him, to listen to him, to bask in his light. Our instinct, rather, is to eliminate him. If we eliminate God, then we can get the vineyard. See what's going on there. If we eliminate God, and there again is the voice of contemporary secularism, if you can kill off God, then you can take possession of nature, of the world, of your own body, of your own life. And that's the fantasy of secularism. See that I am the owner of my life. It comes from the killing of the Son of God. But what's the Christian story? The one they killed did not stay in his grave, but came back to life and claimed lordship over the vineyard. Yes, over Israel. Yes, over the new Israel, which is the church. We can try to kill him, but the risen Christ trumps that. The risen Christ remains the Lord of the vineyard. And therefore, we have to move into that space, suggested by this story, of being tenants, taking care that the vineyard produces what it's supposed to, but not aspiring to ownership of it. When we do that, then we honor Jesus properly as the Lord of the vineyard. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. I'm Father Robert Barron. Our new Catholicism documentary series and study program can now be pre-ordered online go to catholicismpreorder.com. Will you help me introduce this one-of-a-kind film series and catechetical program to your parish, school, and diocese? Journey around the world and deep into the faith in this 10-part, 10-hour epic adventure. Learn more at catholicismpreorder.com.